Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, uh, this beginning in the 12th verse. And it reads, while he was in one of the cities, Jesus that is, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more than even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate, desolate places and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you now and we pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit, that you would convict us of the word, its truth, its power, and convince us that we may um, walk in the certainty that Christ is the Lord and that his power over the natural realm, supernatural realm, and the eternal realm are secure. Lord, the basis and foundation of our security and assurance. We pray, O oh God, that you would transform us and cause us to leave differently than we came in this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we know from studies in psychology the powerful and long-lasting effects that result from appropriate human contact. Parents and children, brothers and sisters, lovers and spouses, friends and neighbors, all in their uh, different ways will touch each other in a hug, a handshake, an embrace, a kiss, a light touch on the arm. And a good deal of human communication takes place not in words but in gestures like that. And so to be cut off from all such contact is almost as serious as losing one's sight or hearing or worse. Studies have revealed that the lack of physical affection, even for newborn babies, can actually be deadly. And small children in countries with understaffed orphanages, where a child receives very little human contact, have been shown to suffer from illness or severe emotional dysfunction. To be cut off from the touch of others is in some way to be cut off from the love of others because so much sheer love is conveyed by human touch. Jesus' ministry at the moment here in our text consists of a tour of the backwater region of the Galilee where the marginalized and people on the fringes of society live, giving us a context for our story this morning. This is where Jesus is at. He's 
in the regions of the Galilee, and he's around Nazareth. If you remember John 1.46, when Philip says, we have found the Messiah, and Nathaniel says, where? He says, in Nazareth. Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So this is the backwater region of Judea and Samaria, not particularly known for great things. And it says in verse 12 that while Jesus was in one of the cities around the Galilee, there, there came a man full of leprosy. To have leprosy was to face ostracism and alienation. Leviticus 13.45 in the Law of Moses says that the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and he shall cover up his lip and cry out everywhere he goes, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. If a person had leprosy, they were excluded from normal society, both socially and physically. And on the surface, it might have seemed cruel, but those ancient purity laws weren't just taboos. They were necessary to prevent the spread of disease. Now today, leprosy is known as Hansen's disease, and it attacks the skin and peripheral nerves and mucous membrane, especially near the wrists and the elbows and the knees. And it forms lesions on the skin and can disfigure the face by collapsing the nose and causing folding of the skin. Now, contrary to popular belief, leprosy does not eat away the flesh. Due to the loss of feeling, especially in the hands and feet, people with the disease, they wear their extremities away um, and their faces unknowingly. So they lose feeling in their hands and in their extremities like their ears and their nose. And when you don't have feeling, you can not be delicate. And it wears those parts of the body away. So where to this very day, if you see someone with leprosy, which is probably India has the highest case of leprosy, you will see people whose hands are just nubs and their noses are gone. It is a horrible disfigurement. And it made leprosy greatly feared and caused lepers to be outcasts from all healthy society for protection. You can imagine the kind of life that a leper had. Well, it wasn't much of a life at all without physical contact of other people. Take a moment just to think of what your life would be like without the touch of other human beings, without physical contact, Without embrace, without a hug, without a kiss, without a handshake. You can imagine what kind of life that would be. One commentator describes the overall effect of the disease as a form of 
living death. If you had leprosy in those days, you were alive, but you might as well have been dead. Leprosy was foremost a social disease. And by telling us this man is full of leprosy, what Luke wants us to know is that this man's condition is severe. Luke says he's full of leprosy. He doesn't have a little bit of leprosy. This man is full of leprosy, and so his condition is extreme. It's severe. He's on the outside of society, and he's marginalized by his disease. When he hears that Jesus has come to his town. Now, we just said a minute ago that the law, of the cust- the law and customs of the day suggested that the leper should not only be isolated, but in the mind of a first century Jew, if a person had leprosy, it was likely a sign of their great sin. They weren't just a sinner, they were a really bad sinner. Because in their mind, they associated all sickness with and disease with sin. Now, it is true that all sickness and disease is the result of sin, but not necessarily the result of personal sin. Sin and death entered the world at large during the rebellion in Eden, and so death itself is the result of living in a fallen and broken world, a world in rebellion against God. That's why there's disease And that's why there's sickness, because we live in a fallen world. When Jesus returns and ushers in the new heavens and the new earth, uh, sickness and disease itself will disappear, and suffering will be redeemed. But we're told that when this man sees Jesus, he falls on his face and he begs him. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And so there are three things that he does in verse 12. He fell on his face. And the word means to implore. He showed great humility. The other thing he did is he begged him. A word used in prayer when making an urgent request. And then third, he addressed him as Lord. A highly reverent recognition that God was working through Jesus. The leper saw Jesus as a prophet. He probably didn't understand Jesus at this moment to be the divine son of God, the Messiah necessarily, God in the flesh. But he does understand that what Jesus is doing is because God's power is on him. And he's humbled by that, especially being someone who is unclean. This man is desperate. And you know, desperation humbles a person. Desperate situations are allowed in in our lives by God often to humble us. Remember, Scripture often divides people in the two categories of the proud and the humble. The Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's good for us to think about, what kind of person am I? Am I a proud person? Am I the type of person who can't be told anything? Or am I a humble person? 
pride is one of those things that become evident to everyone else except the person who's guilty of it. It's good for us to do some self-examination and ask the question, am I proud or am I humble? And the man says to Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Notice that he doesn't say, if you're able. He doesn't say, if you're able, you can make me clean. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He knows Jesus is able. Whatever hope that he might have about returning to a normal life was wrapped up in Jesus' power. Whatever hope this man had about reintegrating his life into normal society was wrapped up at that moment in Jesus. There were no alternatives. There were no backup plans. There were no treatments. In his mind, Jesus was his only hope. G.K. Chesterton said, hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is of no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. This man hoped in Jesus. He had hope in nothing else but the fact, the knowledge, and the, the ability that Jesus had to change his circumstances. And his circumstances were dire, as we've just mentioned a moment ago. And so in verse 13, it says, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately, the Bible says, the leprosy left him. Immediately, at that very moment of contact, the leprosy left him. An ancient reader would have sensed the sense of tension and pathos here. You know, you could compare this situation to the situation with AIDS today, especially in the 1980s and 90s, where we didn't know much about AIDS and people were even afraid to come in contact with others who had AIDS. It was a similar situation. Now, it's one thing for Jesus to know that the leprosy can't do anything to him, but it's something for the community witnessing this to think Jesus is going to get leprosy by touching this person. And so there's tension, there's drama, there's scandal surrounding this event. And notice that it says Jesus stretched out his hand, and what did he do? He touched him. You know, in other places... Jesus heals people with just a word, but not here. You know, this may have been the first touch this man felt in years or decades. The power of Jesus' action, had mu is, 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 there's so much more to it than what we, what we read. It wasn't just a touch it meant something far greater than one person touching another. It meant the reversal of this man's circumstances. 
He likely had not been touched by another person for years, maybe decades. Leprosy was a lonely life. It was a sad existence. That's how how stigmatized the disease was. And in verse 14, Jesus tells the man to do three things. He says, be silent, don't tell anyone about it. Show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifice. Jesus doesn't just heal the man. He's made it possible for him to re-enter society. In the Jewish world, if you were impure or unclean, you were alienated, you were ostracized. Even a woman who experienced something as normal as her monthly menstruation was unclean for a period of time. No one could touch her, and even the couch she sat on itself was unclean until a period of restoration and purity had happened. This was a big deal. He didn't just get touched and immediately goes back to life. There was a process. He had to go to the temple, show himself to the priest, and begin a week-long process of purification and offer sacrifice that he could be officially labeled clean again. It was a really big deal. See, bound up in Jesus' touch is healing, compassion. And what's instructive for us is that Jesus' ministry is to those on the outside, those who have been marginalized, those who have been alienated, those who have been stigmatized, and those who, like this leper, have absolutely nothing. And this is what is meant by blessed are the poor, Because the kingdom of heaven is not for those who think that they need nothing. But it's for those who know that they're on the outside and have nothing. That's why the Bible says, blessed are the poor. Because those who are rich and rich in spirit don't think they need anything. In fact, in one place it says, blessed are the poor. And another gospel says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Because both of those conditions make someone recognize that they're in need. That's exactly where this leper was. The leper is a vivid image of ourselves apart from the cleansing work of Christ. Jesus' healing touch comes not to those that think they're well, but to those that aren't well and know that they're destitute and poor. This is why the sin issue is always a part of the gospel presentation. In fact, I would go so far as to say that you cannot adequately iterate the gospel without talking about sin, and the reason is because Jesus isn't an answer until you know the problem. Jesus is the answer. And people say, to what? I don't need an answer. My life is perfect. It makes sense. Imagine if this leper was confused about his condition and thought, I'm not unclean. I'm perfectly fine. 
That would be a much greater challenge because you'd have to convince them that he was impure in the sight of God. But there's a humility there. There's a recognition there that he is unclean apart from Christ's cleansing. Before the cleansing work of Christ, we were all lepers. And Jesus rescued us from alienation from the Father. Sin made us unclean, impure, and untouchable by God. Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that you at one time were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. See, the cleansing power of Christ enables us to go back out into the world and re-engage society with the message of how we've been made clean. Just like this man who was unable to remain silent, right? Jesus says, don't tell anyone. The first thing he does, he goes out and says, I've been made clean. He tells everyone. And in the same way, the gospel ought to do the same thing in our hearts. Where it's never stale or old or boring that we've been made clean by the blood of Jesus. And that the impurity that we had that alienated us from God has been removed. That's exciting. That's good news because it doesn't just mean that that's our situation. It means it can be others' situation also. And so we proclaim unashamedly what Jesus has done for us. So my question to you this morning, and I don't want to make assumptions here. I've gotten to know a great deal of you pretty well, some better than others. But I don't want to make any assumptions, and I want you to ask yourself, have you been cleansed by the justifying and sanctifying work of the cross? Have your sins been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ? Maybe you think, well, I don't really do anything wrong. I come to church at least twice a month, and um, I think I'm an all-around good person. But I do want to tell you that if you have not ever recognized yourself as a helpless sinner in need of forgiveness and cleansing by Jesus, that's something you need to do. So when someone asks you why you're so confident you'll be saved, the only answer you should give is the same as this leper. Jesus touched me. And now I'm clean. Let's pray.